I can claim. Such an amazing guy. I, I think that he's actually stuck in an airport, so I don't envy him right now. Ha, ha, ha. His son laughs. Um, but yeah, we're, we're praying for him, praying that he makes it down safe to Florida. I'm thankful to be a part of a team that's, that's reaching uh, in so many different ways, so many different communities. And uh, just congratulations to you guys for becoming the regional directors. Uh, so proud of you, so proud that we get to impact the rest of the region. And uh, thankful for Pastor Derek's leadership, along with Pastor Angie, Pastor Warren, everyone on the team here. So it's an honor to be with you today. If this is your first time at Reach Church, you're in a good place. You brave the storm, which means that you really must love God, because people at home, I guess, they just don't love the Lord. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I, was on, I was on the way coming down from, from up north, kind of, we, we live pretty far up north now, and along Powers Boulevard, there were a bunch of people that you could tell moved from Texas that don't know how to drive. You know what I'm saying? They're either from California or Texas, because they're on the side of the road, and I'm cruising. You know what I'm talking about? So, we've been in this... Uh, this redo series, it's been wonderful. I really have enjoyed listening to the messages on, on Facebook, which I want to encourage you, you know, as a believer in Christ, I really believe this, uh, that church should be the absolute minimum of, of what your relationship with the Lord looks like. It should be a non-negotiable that we gather together, that we're challenged, that we're encouraged, that we sit under teaching of the Word of God. All of that should be non-negotiable. But I often wonder how... People of old who really followed the Lord passionately would have felt if they had access to as much as we have access to today. Like online messages, like I actually get to go back and listen to my pastor two or three times preach that word and apply it to my life. And I think if we're not careful, we can take for granted some of the graces that God has already put in our life as, as followers of Christ. Now, it's a, it's a two-edged sword, don't get me wrong, I know what some of you are thinking, well, I have more temptations than they did. I have less of an attention span than they did. But you can always look at the ugly side of a situation. And the truth is, is that there is as much out there for you to follow the Lord in such an intense way today in 2023. And I get it. It's, it, it's hard today to be a Christian. Maybe it's harder than it has been in years past. And I'm, not, I'm not talking about persecution or anything like that and maybe there are more distractions but there's certainly more opportunity everybody and uh, just as we were worshiping I was just thinking I would bring that up and challenge and encourage you guys to take your faith to the next level so you can go back and watch some of the great messages by Pastor Warren last week and Pastor Jesse the week before I thought they were so good but they kind of got the easy topics uh, I'm not going to lie to you uh, they got to talk to you about like how God in his infinite grace gives you a redo. But as I was praying through, Pastor Derek asked me to close out the series. I really felt like I needed to talk to you about the redo that other people in your life deserve that maybe you haven't given them yet. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so this morning, I want to talk to you about the topic of forgiveness. And, and I think that through some prayer, I found a really great passage that I want us to camp out of today. If you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, I don't mind if you open your, your phones as well, but I would encourage you to follow along with me because we're going to, it's kind of a longer uh, passage <clears throat> that, that I want to read from. And I am, I'm kind of afraid that I may step on some toes today. And I'm, I'm actually even more afraid that the moment I said I was going to talk about forgiveness that somebody probably popped into your head or into your heart and you're 
completely going to discredit everything I've said because you've put this off bounds in your life. And I get it. I do. I get it. Fallen people plus a fallen world equals a whole lot of pain. Say that again. Fallen people in a fallen world, it does. It equals a whole lot of pain. You know, I, I wouldn't... I, wouldn't, I don't feel like I could be up here preaching with authority today if I hadn't walked through some very difficult circumstances in my life. I'm not going to have time to divulge everything that I've been through, nor honestly do I want to, just to be quite frank with you. I'm not telling you today to completely ignore maybe the hurt and the pain that's in your heart. But what I'm telling you is that forgiveness is trusting that God will heal you, not the other person. I, so I think that good churches have a few things. I think they have great coffee. Come on, somebody. He brews. Wow, okay. I'll try to keep up with those jokes. I think that they have great people, and I think they can make your toes a little bit sore, everybody, okay? So I'm going to step on your toes this morning. Is that okay with you? Let's pray. Let's pray, and I, I hope that you'll pray in your heart with me. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to sit under the authority of the word of these would not be my words but that you would speak through me this morning as I've prayed for weeks now that Holy Spirit you have been stirring up in people's hearts even coming into this place this morning God we can't do this on our own we I'm convinced it's not even possible to truly forgive people without the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us Lord I pray for the people in here who there has been some very deep wounds. There has been some very deep pain. But Lord, I pray that we would walk out of here today encouraged with the path forward to give people a redo in our hearts and in our minds. Even if it doesn't lead to reconciliation, Lord, I just pray that the captivity that we feel like we're putting other people in, that we would be set free from that very captivity of bitterness and offense this morning. God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Hang with me. This is a test of your attention span. It says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Wow, good job, Peter. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Most versions say 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Some of you are like, is that like Chinese currency? I don't know. Okay. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Okay. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. What? That happened quick. But when that same servant went out, the same guy who was just forgiven, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Sound familiar, everybody? Except this man refused and he went and he put him in prison like he had the right to do until he should pay the debt. 
When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master, sounds like my youngest son, all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me? And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Those are not my words. Just want to be clear. Those are red letters. I don't speak in red letters. I think if I were to take a survey of everybody in here who would consider themselves a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you've given your life to Christ, and I were to say, do you feel like we are supposed to forgive people? I think every single person would raise their hand and say, yes, we're called to forgive people. But if I were to take the same survey with the same amount of people, regardless of the population, and I were to ask the question, are there people in your life that you have not yet forgiven? I don't know how many hands would go up exactly, but I think it would be pretty close to the same amount, if I'm just being honest with you. Maybe my suspicions are incorrect, and the Lord has graced you to forgive people in your life. So happy for you. That's not been my story. In fact, it's, I think we realize it's so important that we teach our kids to forgive people. My kids fight all the time. I don't know about your saints, your little saints that you got, but my kids are always fighting, always bickering. We had an experience this morning, right? They were fighting over a little foam ball. They're playing pig this morning in the basketball hoop, and one of them stole the ball, and the other one was all mad about it. And what do we do, right? We say, come here, guys. Come here. Say sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. Say it. Come on. Say it like you mean it. Sorry. No, no, Bella. <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> Future Bella's going to love her dad. <laughs> say, come on, say sorry. Like, it's not a big deal. Let's move on. Come on. I'm sorry. Judah, say it's okay. <laughs> Judah, it's a ball. It's a game of pig. You're losing to a girl. Just say it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. All right, give each other a hug. Do it. Give each other a hug. And then happiness, right? We realize that it's important to teach our children this, right? Maybe it's because we realize they're all stuck together. But as we've moved on in life, what do we do with the tougher situations? Where you don't have to be by somebody. Where you can just move on. What about the affairs? What about the company that let you go? What about the friend that stabbed you in the back? What about the person who maybe literally owes you money? And at this point, it's only $5, but they've owed you for 10 years, and you're going to make them learn their lesson. What about the family situations? That thing that was said at the holiday dinner or years ago. 
And now when you see that person, or when you think about that person, your thoughts are of bitterness and anger. Maybe you completely avoid that person altogether. I think the reason that forgiveness is so hard for us is because we live in a world that promotes vengeance. Right? Anybody seen John Wick? I can just say, don't kill that man's dog, all right? Movie plots, they're all about getting back, about creating justice, demanding justice, and being the one to be in control enough to get that justice for yourself, right? We've got country singers singing about when a guy cheats on you that you should just go and blow up their F-150, and the same lady is singing about Jesus taking the wheel. What kind of theology is that? See, we live in a world that is the same as the world that Peter was living in when Jesus talked to him and said, not only should you forgive somebody seven times, you should forgive them a whole lot more than that. And really what Jesus was communicating is that forgiveness for us as Christians shouldn't be a task, it shouldn't just be a thing that we do, it should be our lifestyle. It should be the thing that marks us. It should be the salt that separates us. It should be the light that turns on on the top of the hill that when nobody else would forgive, that we would be the people who would not hold others captive. That we would be the people who time and time again love so much and so hard and so unconditionally that we expect the risk of unconditional love. You know, it was common, common place in Jewish teaching at this time. There was a grace period, but it was three times. You can go read J- Jewish wisdom literature. There's some references to it in the Old Testament. The book of Amos kind of talks about it a little bit. But the law at the time was that you would forgive somebody three times, and then after that third time, you were allowed to take vengeance on that person. You were allowed to turn them in, whatever it was, right? Whatever the law was for that specific situation. So Peter was being pretty bold when he said, should we, should we double that and then add one, Jesus? Should we, do it se- should we do it seven times? I mean, can you imagine the awkwardness of having a law of only forgiving someone three times? Like they've forgiven you that third, third time and they, they know that you're on the hook. So you're just walking around waiting for them like, you're going to do it, aren't you? You're going to betray me, aren't you? You're going to do it. I got you, bro. I got you. You had your three strikes and you about to be out. But Jesus kind of, what he's doing in Matthew chapter 18, if you even go back and read through the chapter, he's establishing a new way of life. This thing called the kingdom of heaven. This thing called the new covenant where we're not subject to the law that none of us could live under, that none of us could fulfill. And he says, after my death, burial, and resurrection, things are going to change. He says, no longer are you going to have to live in the math of the Old Covenant. Well, let let me explain what I mean here. In the Old Covenant, when you messed up X amount of times, you had to atone X amount of times. It was was weighted scales. It had to be even if you were going to have a chance at relationship with God. So all of life circled around this. You worshiped in certain temples, You followed certain rituals, certain sacrifices. You had to keep some lambs on hand just in case you messed up. 
And hopefully that was enough. Almost 600 laws that these people had to know and follow to the T. And Jesus comes along and he says, no, no, the math equation is about to change. Because it doesn't matter how many times you screw up. I did it once and I did it for everybody. I did it once and that was it. It's not going to be this continual fighting, this continual striving. It's not about what you do. It's about who I've called you to be. So Jesus is flipping this whole thing on his head and he's saying, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. This has to become a lifestyle. And the reason why Jesus challenges us to forgive people is because it's the only way that we can fully love people. Jeremiah 31, 34 talks about this new covenant. It says, And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. Everybody's going to get to know the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, mercy is being able to not give a person what they actually deserve. You and I are called to be people of mercy. I know I'm going to I've got more time, so if I haven't convinced you by now, I hope that I can get there. So, what is forgiveness then? What is the expectation? Let me start by telling you what forgiveness is not. Because there are people who would take this to the extreme. And say, well, if we're called to forgive, if we're called to have unlimited grace, unlimited mercy, then why do we have laws? Why do we have prison? Why do we have jail? Okay? Number one, Forgiveness, and this is not going to be on the slides, but number one, forgiveness is not always reconciliation. It's important for me to make this statement clear. Forgiveness from God is always reconciliation because God has never wronged us. So anytime that you repent and your heart is right before the Lord, both sides are good and can reconcile because that's how good God is. But living in a fallen world with broken people, you may have one side that is willing to forgive and reconcile, but the other side is not. So forgiveness actually is not always a precursor to reconciliation. The potential is always reconciliation. True forgiveness from both sides would always lead to reconciliation. But our responsibility is not to fully reconcile. That's not the end goal. The end goal is for your heart to be free of bitterness and offense. That is what forgiveness is about. And the second thing is that forgiveness is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. You figure I wouldn't have to explain this, but there are some people who believe in the New Covenant that we shouldn't have laws, that we should just all love each other, kumbaya. Go read Romans chapter 13. And it talks importance of respecting and honoring authority, governmental authority, obeying laws. And there are situations, mainly abusive situations, that maybe you've walked through and you're trying to forgive that person and you don't want to let them off the hook. And I get it. I've been there. I was abused as a child. 
I've gone through reckoning and I've gone through therapy to dig things back up. So it's not that that person gets out of jail free. I want to I clear that out of your head because most of the time what we can think is that, well, I'm not forgiving that person so that they'll learn their lesson. Forgiveness is not about other people learning a lesson. It's about you learning a lesson. The Greek word for forgiveness that is used here is the word aphiomi. Say aphiomi. Say aphiomi like you're Greek. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Here's what aphiomi means. It, it means to drop and to move on. It means to drop and to move on. It's the same word that is used to describe the disciples' interaction with Jesus when he calls them and they drop their nets and they follow him. Let me explain it like this. We go about life, we have interactions with people. And typically, how many of you guys know that it's harder to forgive people the closer that they are to you? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Oh, y'all have good family dinners? <laughs> so what happens is we have like this interaction with this person, but all of a sudden, we get closer and closer, and then they hurt us, inevitably, by the way. Romans 3.23, for we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what happens is we pick up this offense and this bitterness. You didn't do the dishes, huh? I thought you said you was going to do the dishes. Mm, okay, good night. And what we do is we move on in time, but we take that thing with us. And then we have another interaction. Can I take your purse? Thank you. We have another interaction, and then we, and then we move on, right? Because life moves on. And then what happens is, what God calls us to be available to as Christians who have been forgiven ourselves is to not only love him, but to love our neighbor fully. So we approach somebody, and God is asking us to be available to them, but our hands are full. Our heart is full. And the same space that God asks us to give out of is occupied by bitterness and offense. And so what we do is we think we've moved on because we don't have to see them, we don't have to be around them, but we're carrying around all of these things. And by the way, the next time I see a purse, my antenna's going to go up because, I oh, I've been there before. Mm, can't trust purses. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Thank you. So the Greek word aphiomi means to literally to drop, I'm going to deal with it, and then I'm going to move on. The problem is, is that most of us go about our life carrying offenses, and I'm afraid that modern day Christianity suffers from acute selective forgiveness disorder. Now we laugh. But there's a line in each one of our hearts that we just won't go past. And if I could say the most beautiful thing about the gospel, about the word of God, is that it doesn't matter what your sin is or was. There are no classifications with God. 
Do you really believe that God loves murderers the same as he loves you even when you tell a white lie? Do you really believe that all sin leads to death? Are you there? Because that's the message of the gospel. I didn't come up with that. That all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And God asked the same thing of us guys and it's so difficult. It's so difficult. But what I hope to do in, in the next 10 minutes or so is just equip you to be able to forgive people from this parable, from this teaching of Jesus because when Jesus said this, he knew that it baffled these disciples because it's not the world that they're from. And this 490 times is not the world that it's from. Now, maybe we never get to 490 times. Like I said, it's not the point. What Jesus was saying is there's an infinite amount of forgiveness that should be available to people. Now, some of you are like, I'm getting real close with my kids. I think I'm on 481 and I'm about to crack. But the goal, the goal of forgiveness, my friends, is for us to understand that if we do not forgive, we cannot love. If we're not willing to be hurt again, we've already removed ourselves from the unconditional love that God has asked us to live with the same way he looks at us. So how do we forgive? Let's turn to the parable. Number one, we have to remember the debt that was forgiven us. This is the key. If you're going to walk away with anything today, this is the key. This is the theme of the parable. 10,000 talents is approximately, from what we understand, 2.5 to hundreds of billions of dollars, modernly equated to today. This is how much the first man owed the master. The master decides one day, okay, it's time to settle accounts. The same way, by the way, that Jesus will come like a thief in the night and we won't be ready. Hopefully you're ready. But there's nothing that you could have done on this earth. Your debt is so great. Your debt is so great that the only way it could be paid is by the blood of Jesus. The second servant, by the same approximations, owed one six hundred thousandth of what the first servant owed. Approximately $4,000. I don't know about you, but I could use $4,000. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Four grand. But the story is not about the $4,000. The story is about the innumerable debt. John Bevere wrote a great book on this topic. If you've ever, if you've ever read it, it's called The Bait of Satan. It's one of my favorite books. It, is, it has gotten me through a lot of difficult times, his, his teaching in that book. I love this quote. He says, a person who cannot forgive has forgotten how great a debt God has forgiven them. Do you really believe that you deserve to go to hell without Jesus? I love preaching about heaven. But the justice side of me loves preaching about hell. I don't think a lot of people preach about hell anymore. You guys with me still? Is it okay if I step on your toes? 
What is your theology of hell? What is your understanding of hell? Some of y'all are squirming right now, sorry. Wait till you see what hell would be like. Hell is a difficult topic for us to talk about. It's a difficult topic for us to think about and a lot of people have resulted to just determining that there is no hell because they can't fathom some things. Because they have to be in control and understand everything about God. And when you have to understand everything about God, you put yourself in his position. Your theology of hell will determine your capacity to forgive. When you begin to understand the debt that was forgiven you by the blood of Jesus, the innumerable debt, you find it a little bit easier to forgive other people with lesser consequences at stake. See, giving forgiveness is not fair, but neither is the fact that we get to receive it from God with greater consequences at stake. Giving forgiveness is not fair. It's not just, by the way. But if we put ourselves in the seat of justice, we've removed God from his position in our lives. Psalm 103 tells us that as far as the east is from the west, so has God removed our transgressions from us. What a beautiful thing that God doesn't look at us based on what we've done wrong, but he, base, he, he looks at us and he sees us based on the love that he has for us. Number two, and it kind of, kind of relates to the first point of remembering the debt that was forgiven us. And by the way, if you find yourself in a difficult position to forgive somebody else, the step that you probably need to take is to humble yourself and meditate upon the debt that was forgiven you. I just want to, I just want to throw that in there as a practical piece. But number two is to rely not on our own strength. Now, if the story would have started in verse 28, where the servant had not been forgiven by the master, and he just went to his fellow servant and said, pay me the money that you owe, I think that everything that he did probably would have been justified. Your story does not start with your hurt. Your story starts with the hurt that you put towards God and he forgave you for. Most of the time when we narrate the story in our head about a transgression that's been done against us, we feel like the starting point is when we got hurt. The story doesn't start in verse 28. I, couldn't, I could not ask you to forgive in your own strength if you had not already been forgiven a greater debt. God would have never asked that of you because he knows it's not even possible. I don't, I'm not even sure that true forgiveness happened until the power of the Holy Spirit entered people's hearts outside of Jesus. Because Jesus tells his disciples all the time on earth, hey, you should forgive and love and forgive and love. And even towards the end of the story, if you remember a certain story where they go to a town, right, and they're arguing with Jesus, and Jesus is taught on forgiveness, and he says, and the disciples turn to him and they say, hey, do you want us to call fire down on him? And Jesus is like, really? Really? 
Do you remember what he says to Peter? He says, get thee behind me, Satan. (laughs) But somehow Jesus on the cross lives this out for us. Filled with the Spirit, hanging on the cross. People that were beating him. He felt, the, he felt the real pain. Sometimes I forget that, we, that Jesus felt the real pain. And he looks up to his father and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That makes no sense to me sometimes. Because I'm like, I'm pretty sure they knew what they were doing, Jesus. They've done it before. They've crucified people before. I'm pretty sure they knew exactly what they were doing. They were trying to kill him. They were trying to embarrass him. They were trying to shame him. The master was moved by pity, if you remember. In verse 27, it says, and out of pity, the master released him. It's this beautiful Greek word that uh, uh, I'm probably going to not pronounce right. It's pronounced splachnisomai. Come on, somebody. A Greek scholar, let's go. Splachnisomai is an interesting Greek word because it's the same word that the Bible describes when Jesus was moved with compassion to heal people. It's like this gut instinct of pity and compassion. It's that same feeling you get when you see that dog commercial with Sarah McLaughlin singing. You know what I'm saying? You guys don't know what I'm saying where they're trying to raise money for dogs and you're like, ah. So beautiful. Splachnisomai. I think that that was the Holy Spirit within Jesus. Jesus understood the condition of man. That fallen people in a fallen world equals a whole lot of pain. And he was moved with splachnisomai from the Holy Spirit. We as believers need to be moved with splachnisomai. To understand that we're called to be moved with pity and compassion towards people. Even when they don't deserve it. Understanding that we're in a hurt in a fallen world. See, the first master was moved by splachnisomai. The second refused. Refused. You figure right after he received forgiveness, right after the same words came out of his mouth that he heard, that something would have rung a bell. I just, I can't, man, what is with this guy? I am that guy. You, we are that guy. You do not have the strength to forgive on your own. It is only the power of the Holy Spirit within you that can help you forgive. Number three, as I I close, Darcy, you can come up and play keys behind me. This one's going to be difficult. I'm just going to let you know this point, okay? Because I want to address, I'm not going to dance around the last verse. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Talk about a hard thing to hear, huh? You guys doing okay? I know it's kind of... You guys with me? Can I get an amen if you're with me? Before before I close. Number three is that we're, we're called to respond out of obedience, not feeling. The true mark of spiritual maturity is how quickly you're willing to obey God. See, forgiveness is not optional for Christians. It's a part of the expectation 
that we sign up for when we receive forgiveness from God for a debt that we could not pay. The redo, if you will, that we received. It is an expectation from our Lord, our King. I'm not so sure that the the parts of the Bible that uh, we feel like doing, not so sure that's faith. I actually think that faith is found when we trust the word of God for the things that we don't feel. We live in a world that wants to define the word of God by feelings. And so instead of forgiving people, we'll rewrite the rules. Guys, I didn't make these rules up. All I can do is try to understand why God would make it such a priority for us as believers to forgive others. See, the same muscle that is used to receive forgiveness from God is used to extend it to other people. And if you don't constantly work out that muscle, constantly meditate on and understand what God has done for us, there's no possible way that we can extend it to other people. They flow in and out of the same space. And yes, okay, there is risk in forgiving. There's risk. It may happen again. They may take advantage of you. But I think that Jesus told us there's a bigger risk in not forgiving people. And that we must count the cost. It means that we trust God to heal us. And we don't find that source in people or the justice system or See, unforgiveness is, I've heard it said, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. The truth is, is that forgiveness, it's not for them, it's for you. I was uh, sharing this message with a friend of mine uh, that I work with, and he told me the story of a friend of his that I just want to share with you today. Husband and wife, they had a, they had a few kids living in California and the husband was out riding his bike one day like he normally did and out of nowhere got hit by a drunk driver who left him on the asphalt didn't call anybody just hit and run they got him to the hospital and wife came with the kids met him there and they said, look, he, he's going to be a vegetable for the rest of his life. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. So they prayed for healing. They prayed and prayed, but nothing happened. And about a year after being at the hospital constantly and just trying to be there as much as they could with no interaction with this man, the man dies. The father leaves behind three children. And the wife in the story does something that I, I can't even fathom. She said that she feels like the Holy Spirit has called her to become friends with the man who killed her husband. He had finally been found. 
It wasn't his first DUI incident, so he was put in jail for a 10-year sentence. And she would go to the prison every week to bring that man food. For 10 years. She shared her faith with him, gave his life to Christ in the prison. And when he got out, they stayed in touch. Now the wife and the man are still friends. And he has stepped in as a pseudo father for those kids. He's paid their way to college. He works for them. Can you, can you imagine being able to do that? I can't. I just got to be honest with you. I can't. Maybe there's some hurt in me, and I hope the Holy Spirit brings that up so that I can properly forgive those that I need to forgive and make that decision in my own life. I don't stand up here as a man who has it all together. Would you guys, would you guys close your eyes just right where you're at? Like I said at the beginning, if I were to take a survey, I'd imagine that the majority of you would raise your hand that there is somebody who maybe you haven't forgiven yet. And Look, my goal today is not to condemn you. But I do want to share with you, if you wait to feel like forgiving that person, you're probably going to be waiting a long time. If you wait until your feelings align with what God has asked you to do, you're not going to mature in your faith. You're not going to love people well. You're not going to experience intimacy with your husband or your wife. If you're holding bitterness against them, just trust me. But the fullness of life that Jesus promised us in John 10.10 is the fullness of life that comes when we choose to forgive, when we choose to heal, when we choose to drop it and move on. And it is a choice, my friends. So whoever that person is today, in your heart and in your mind, I just want to say a prayer for you, that the Holy Spirit would begin to shake and stir some things up on the inside of you, and that you would take the steps necessary to have a conversation, to write a letter, to have a phone call, to just tell that person that you forgive them. For the young people in here, I hope that this serves as a precursor for the rest of your life because as life moves on, the pains get deeper, the hurts get harder, and I hope that this would build a foundation for you to be a person of forgiveness like God has called us to be. Lord, I pray for each and every person in this, in this place today. God, you know, you know the hurts, you know the pains. You know the disappointment, the frustration, the, God, I've given them multiple chances. God, I've, they did it again. How can I be the fool to give them another chance? That'd be embarrassing. That <laughs> but Lord, I thank you that you loved us enough to not just leave this ambiguous, but that you told us that. Hey, if you want full life, if you want to love people well, if you want to experience what I have for you, that forgiveness cannot be optional. 
that I am coming back and I've, I've already forgiven you a debt if you've, if you've accepted me as your Lord and Savior. And because of that and only because of that and by the power and strength that I've empowered you with in the Holy Spirit, I expect you, son, I expect you, daughter, to extend forgiveness to that person that, by the way, doesn't deserve it. So Lord, I ask today that you will give us the strength and the power to forgive not as the world forgives, but only as you do. May we give people a redo in our hearts and in our minds, Lord. For those, of, for those of you wondering, okay, have I really forgiven that person? How do I know? It's really simple to reverse engineer. What are your thoughts about that person? How do you talk about that person? When you see that person, what response does your body have towards that person? Do you get anxious That's a a symbol that there's still something there for you to work through. So God, I pray that you would bring to attention, God, that you would search our hearts and that you would know our anxious thoughts and that you would lead us in the way everlasting. Lord, I pray for the brothers and sisters in here, Lord. Help us, God, because we need it. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. What a series we've had for the last four weeks. Thank you, Jeremiah. Give it up for Jeremiah this morning. I'll tell you what, uh, with what Pastor Derek talked about, about Pastor Jesse and myself last week and Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I think you landed that plane amazingly. So thank you for that. Be blessed this week. Love on each other as you go. And, uh, you know, maybe it's time for you that you need a redo in your life, whatever that may look like. Uh, and I pray that you have the strength and that you believe that God has the ability to reset your life and to redo those things in the past so that you can move forward in a freshness that the Holy Spirit reco- not just wants but requires us to have as believers. Amen? So be blessed. Have a great week. God bless you. Thank you for coming this morning.